We've got to minister to the least, and sometimes that's through feeding them, and sometimes just through visiting them. Because what it does is that love that you're showing then opens a door to their heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. But unfortunately, a lot of times we love God with part of our heart and part of our mind and part of our soul. Jesus didn't go and sit with people and eat with people just because he wanted them to be saved. He cared about them. He loved them. He wanted them to be a part of his family. In today's sermon, Herman Mason, son of senior pastor Eddie Mason, explores the four dimensions of love, beginning with loving the least and loving the lost, from the book, 10 Qualities That Move You From a Believer to a Disciple, by Pastor Dennis Rouse. There are many of you sitting in the audience today that I know are believers. I've had conversations with you, I've met with you, we've talked, we've shared meals, and I know you're believers, but it's not enough to be a believer for God. We got to move from being a believer to a disciple. Now, one of the Wednesday night classes that we are teaching every first Wednesday of the month is how to move from a believer to a disciple. And today's message comes straight from that second lesson, and I want to preach it to you today, or teach it to you today. But I also want to give credit where credit is due, and I know all messages come from God, but the book is uh, 10 Qualities That Move You From a Believer to a Disciple by Dennis Rouse. And Pastor Rouse uh, is the uh, son of Randy Cochran, who used to... Billy Cochran. What Randy, he's the brother of Randy Cochran. He is the son of Billy Cochran uh, and Mary Eden, who used to go to church with us uh, a while back. You guys may remember him. Uh, but it's a fantastic book. I really encourage you to pick it up. Um, you can order it on Amazon or, or from Victory World Church. But it's a fantastic book. And so everything I'm teaching you or, or showing you today comes straight out of that. Okay? All right. First thing I want to do is I want to run through the 10 qualities real quick. And you just kind of listen to these and see if any of these fit. Now, I also want you to rate yourself. Are you in the believer category for this one or are you in the disciple category for this one? And probably what's going to happen is it's not going to be all believer and all disciple. It's going to be a mixture. Some things you will have, you, you'll feel like you're in the believer side and other things you're going to feel like you are in the disciple side. First things first, a believer believes in Jesus as their Savior, but a lot of times we live to please ourselves. Okay, That's what a believer does. All right, but a disciple believes in Jesus as Lord and lives to please God. Michael shared with you this morning about the fact that God said it was his plan and that God needed to work his plan. We needed to just be obedient to what God's plan is, right? A lot of times we, we think about ourselves and how it affects us and our comfort level. And so we end up staying in that believer category. And I also want to throw out this. It's not that being a believer is bad. Don't, don't look at this as a good list and a bad list. You with me? But as we're alive and as we begin to move in our relationship with God, he doesn't want us to stay stagnant. He wants us to continue to grow closer to him. That's the way we live a life more abundantly as we grow closer to, to Jesus Christ. So if you're in the believer category, again, it's not that you're doing anything wrong per se, but you need to do more. God didn't tell us just to get saved. In Matthew, he tells us to go out and convert other people, right? To be witnesses in all the land. Right? So again, here we go. Number two, believers exalt their opinions, feelings, and thoughts above the Word of God, whereas a disciple will exalt the Word of God above their opinions, feelings, and thoughts. Number three, a believer thinks of the church as a place they go to hear what God's Word says. And if you're like me, that was like, well, yeah, is that not good? But then I read the disciple part, and it says a disciple thinks of church as a place they learn to do 
what God's Word says. And I would say that's where a lot of us are right now is we're stuck in limbo between hearing what God's Word says and actually doing what God's Word says. And again, I say there's nothing wrong with coming to the church to hear what God says. That's fantastic. But, but let's go further than that. Let's go further than that. Let's move from being just believers to being disciples. Believers are accountable only to themselves, whereas disciples are accountable to everyone. Believers serve God if it's convenient. Ooh, that one hurt me a little bit. I'd have to say that a lot of times I'm in the believer category there. Whereas a disciple serves God based on conviction. A believer tries to impress God by being religious, whereas a disciple seeks to know God through a relationship. And I will tell you, the older I get, the more I realize that is salvation. When I used to minister, used to witness to people, I would strictly go by whether or not they'd made a confession and said they wanted to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that it's, it's way more in-depth than that. It's not just about saying the words. And, and, you know, God says in Romans that you have to confess with your mouth, but you also have to do what? You have to believe in your heart. And as a, as a person, as a human being, I can judge whether or not you confessed it. I can sit there and hear you. The only way I've got to judge whether or not you believed it in your heart is to see your actions, okay? But only God truly knows whether or not you have that belief in your heart. But that's the part that's the relationship. See, as we go deeper with Jesus, we begin to build that relationship, and that is true salvation when we are working on that relationship with Jesus Christ. A believer uh, follows God as long as everything is going well, but a disciple follows God regardless of the circumstances. You've heard that week in and week out, especially through these tithe testimonies. A lot of times when the circumstances are going great, it's very easy to give, isn't it? But when things start going rough and your car start breaking down and your computer blows up and all of a sudden your finances start dwindling, all of a sudden we're put in a position of are we going to be disciples or are we going to be just believers? Are we going to trust God regardless of the circumstances? The eighth quality of a believer is that they choose their own path and ask God to bless it, whereas a disciple asks God to reveal the path and they follow it. And I think we could spend a whole sermon or a whole sermon series on that one alone. So many times we do things and ask God to bless what we're doing. I know when we go to the soccer games, I don't really believe God's in there, uh, you know, helping my kid to win the game. But I do believe that he can keep him safe and keep him protected. But again, a lot of times that's because that's what we're doing. I didn't necessarily ask God if we were supposed to play soccer that night. Okay? What I did was I just said, well, God, this is what I've got on the schedule. Hey, do you mind stepping in and helping me out? And as I move from a believer to a disciple, what I want to see my life do is start changing to say, hey, Lord, am I even supposed to be in this place at this time to begin with? What do you want from me, Lord? The ninth thing is that believers are full of pride if they're doing well and self-pity if they're not. And that's that roller coaster, man. Things are going well. I'm great. How are you doing? Let me bless you. Let me pray for you. Let me do things for you. You need some food? Let me help you out. Man, everything is going cruddy in my life, and all of a sudden, I don't have time for your problems. i got my own problems to deal with right now. Amen. Whereas a disciple is full of gratitude because God's love never fails. Some of you have been through some stuff. Some of you have been through some stuff way worse by human standards, by human perception, than I have. And so for some of you, Doing certain things such as giving tithe, and I'll just stick on that because that's what we've been talking about here recently, is easier because you've already seen the other side of that and you've struggled so badly you saw when God stepped in and you don't doubt. It's also part of building that testimony. 
Part of building your testimony is securing yourself so that it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, you're following God and you're doing what God wants regardless of whether or not you feel good or bad. The tenth thing is that believers follow the example of the world that seeks to go higher, whereas disciples follow the example of Jesus to humbly go lower. And I want to tell you, where God's working on me in this area is this right here. It is so difficult sometimes to separate in my human mind what's okay that world things that are okay by God and things that I need to avoid to, to be with Jesus. And, and what I'm saying is the world tells me that, for example, when I was in teaching and education, my goal should be to keep climbing the ladder. That if I'm not climbing the ladder, according to the world standards, I'm not really doing the right thing. Okay? And the, th the same thing happens with Christians, that if we're not climbing a certain ladder, then by perceptions, we're not doing what God wants us to do. The reality is that we've got to be uh, in that relationship with God so that we can know what His plans are for us. And as we've talked about in the past, some of us are hands, some of us are feet, some of us are eyes, some of us are noses, and we each have a different function. And so if I don't know your function, it may look to me like you're not doing your job as a Christian, when in reality you're doing exactly what God's got you there for. Amen? And so to tie that in, sometimes we look at the way the world sees things. Okay, what we've got to do is quit worrying about what the world is saying and quit trying to climb the world's ladder and we need to go lower, which in my mind means getting on our knees in prayer, right? Or getting down and washing feet and doing things that are humbling, amen? Amen. Today's message is mostly about the four dimensions of love. Those are the 10 qualities that Pastor Rouse talks about moving from a believer to a disciple. And, and the second thing that we focus on is an extraordinary love. And, and he'll tell you there are four dimensions to love, okay? Loving the lost, loving the least, loving across cultures, and loving our enemies. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 37 through 40, it says, Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and fill you, or thirsty, and give you something to drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Amen. You know, there, there are a couple of shining examples that I can think of right now in our church alone that are constantly going to these examples right here. They're constantly feeding the hungry and they're constantly going to the prisons and the jails. You know? I, I'm pretty happy if I make a visit once a month. <laughs> or if I feed one person, I'm pretty proud because I helped that person out. That's not what God said, right? It says, as you did it to the least of these, he didn't put a time limit on that. He didn't put how many times. We've got to minister to the least and sometimes that's through feeding them and sometimes just through visiting them. Because what it does is that love that you're showing then opens a door to their heart. And then you can minister. Right? What's the saying? Some people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You know, I, I, don't, I don't see personally anything wrong, and we were talking about this a couple of Wednesdays ago, I don't see anything wrong with going into the marketplace and just asking people, do you know Jesus? Do you want to know Jesus? However, when you're talking in terms of math, and that's my forte, when you're talking about success rate, I find it way more successful for people to accept what I'm selling when they know who I am. 
You think about telemarketers. Now on our phones, uh, I know with, with my phone company, it'll show me possible telemarketer or scam. And of course I answer it, right? <laughs> no, I hit the go to voicemail button and amazingly, they never leave a voicemail. You know, they're trying to sell me something. People don't want to hear what we're selling. They want to see it. They want to see it in, in action. You know, they, they want to see us serving the Lord. And what happens a lot of times is we go back to that slide where it talks about a believer and a disciple, and people see us serving God happy and sad. And what they see is we're serving God willfully and gleefully when we're happy and things are going well for us, but they also see us upset, fussing, and wanting to just not do anything for God when we're not feeling good. What we've got to do is we've got to get more to that point where we understand God's involved and there's something more at stake. So it doesn't matter how I'm feeling at the time. God wants to minister there, and so I need to reach out. You know, I'll be honest with you. I go to lunch every day with Dad and Joni, and they're real good about uh, ministering to our waiter or waitress every time. And uh, I thought I was getting better, and I was out to lunch uh, yesterday with the boys, and I, 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 did not, I did not minister to our waiter or waitress. And we got done and we left and I thought, oh man, I, I still haven't quite caught on to that. But I'm getting better because I'm seeing it in action. God wants us to love the least. He wants us to love those that are hungry. He wants us to love those that are thirsty. And again, the key word is what? It's love. Not just help. Help is another four-letter word and it's good. But help is not always love. We've got to go deeper. We've got to love. Let's keep looking at love. Loving the least is part of it. By loving the least, we're also going to have an opportunity to love the lost. If we look over at Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 40, it says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. You want to keep it simple? That's it right there. That's the Christian life in a nutshell. Amen. Those two commandments right there. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. But unfortunately, a lot of times we love God with part of our heart and part of our mind and part of our soul. We've got to continue working towards loving God with our whole heart, our whole mind, and our whole soul. And then we've got to love others like our neighbors as ourselves. I find it interesting he said our neighbors. You know, when I think of loving the lost and the least, a lot of times I think about people I don't know. You know, walking up and down this road right here, Industrial Boulevard, you see lots of people walking, lots of people that are homeless, lots of people that are, that are in need. But, but God said, not just those people, but think about your neighbors. Do you know your neighbors? Do your neighbors know you? Do they know that you know Jesus? Do they know that you'll do anything for them? If they're in need. Why is it important to serve the lost as well as share the gospel with them? Think about that for a minute. And then think about why do some people feel attacked by zealous Christians? Think about your own family and your family members. Have they ever felt that way about you? Again, sometimes it's just about showing them love through your actions and not just always your words. Notice God talked about actually feeding, actually taking care of those that were thirsty, going and visiting those in prison. He didn't just talk about in those scriptures giving your tithes and praying and reading scriptures and going to church. 
Okay, remember, believers come to hear what the word of the Lord says. Disciples come to do what the word says. You see, one of the most powerful statements that I think Pastor Rouse made was this right here. He didn't see them as targets for evangelism. He saw them as objects of his love. Jesus didn't go and sit with people and eat with people just because he wanted them to be saved. He cared about them. He loved them. He wanted them to be a part of his family. Dying on the cross, being murdered, tortured, abused, made fun of, mocked, Still, all he was thinking about was us. The thief on the cross figured out he wanted to be a part of God's family, and Jesus had time for him. That had to be, in our eyes, the lowest of lows. We've been beaten up. We've been tortured. We're in prison, falsely accused. That's got to be a low time, and that's what we're talking about. Believers, a lot of times, get lost in that. And we don't think about the thief on the cross that he needs salvation at that point in time. But that's what Jesus did. More importantly, he could have called heaven down. He could have removed himself from the cross at any time. He had all power and authority, but yet he didn't. As a matter of fact, what he said was, forgive them for they know not what they do. God, please, please stay your hand. Don't destroy them. They don't understand what they're doing. They don't realize what they're doing. He loved them so much, he let that death happen for a reason, for us, for our salvation, so that we would have a chance to one day be with him eternally. You see, he had it set up at the beginning with Adam and Eve. But just as most humans do, Adam and Eve messed it up. They separated themselves from God and that relationship and that love because they brought sin into the relationship. And so God provided a way to restore that relationship. And the way he ultimately did it, and the only way that worked long term, was to sacrifice his one and only son. He sacrificed Jesus, and Jesus willingly gave his life up because he loved us so much. That's love. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons with Pastor Eddie Mason, Senior Pastor at Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you were loved, accepted and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We welcome you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would also like to bless you with a Father's Prayer from Papa Herman an elder at Southside Christian Fellowship Church. May the Lord bless and keep you, that he would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.